Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hello everyone, great to be with you tonight. Uh, welcome if you're new, I'm Michael, uh, one of the pastors here at Salt Church. It's great to have you along to church tonight. Um, I'm going to pray for us as we get into 2 Timothy chapter 2. So have that passage in front of you and let's ask for God's help. Our great Heavenly Father, so many voices competing for our ears, so many people competing for our attention, so many messages uh, that we've heard this week that we continue to hear. Lord, please help us now to hear your voice. Uh, Help us uh, to pay attention to what you say. Help us by your Spirit to listen to take in, to be convicted, to be challenged. Uh, Lord, please grow us, uh, help us in our love for Jesus, our adoration of him uh, as we look into your word tonight and we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I reckon it's uh, incredibly inspiring when you see someone succeed uh, at the very field that you're working at day by day. Uh, I reckon that's true of the Olympics. I'm not speaking from personal experience. Um, But the Olympics is incredibly inspiring, isn't it? Uh, There is the elite of the world in that particular sport uh, competing. Uh, The Olympics is inspiring for everyone, but I reckon it's... Who is it most inspiring for? I reckon it's most inspiring for the up-and-coming athlete. Uh, The person who's thinking, this is high-level stuff, right? Next Olympics, or maybe in eight years' time, I could be there. My coach is training me to be there. Um, You know, the person who's 13, 14, watching the Olympics, and that could be me, the next Olympics or the Olympics afterwards. Uh, There was an advert on TV, uh, I think it was more than 10 years ago, but there was an ad that that kind of had this picture of uh, a young woman coming in from swimming training, dumping her bag in the lounge room, feeling a bit deflated, defeated, uh, drained from her training, uh, flicks the telly on, the Olympics is on. Uh, the race that she competes in is on. Uh, the Aussie is in front. The, the commentators' voices uh, rise up and the Aussie wins gold. And there, her face changes. She realises, oh, it is worth it. Uh, she picks up her bag, she's ready to go again. It's that kind of motivational uh, feeling of, wow, that could be me. That's what I'm actually... That's what you need, isn't it? If you're going to persevere at anything in life, you need to remember why it is you're doing what you're doing. If you're swimming laps um, day after day, if you've ever had... Maybe that was you. Maybe it was a friend. You know, the friend that gets up at 4.30 in the morning, goes off to the pool, uh, does laps after lap. I mean... Uh, watches this, lo- this blue line, counts the laps, does, does the training. You've got to keep in mind the end goal if you're going to keep going. You need a, you, you need a very powerful motivation. You need a real clear vision. Where's this all heading? Uh, you, know what, you need to know what's at the end, what's the purpose. And the Christian life is no different. Because if you've been a Christian for a while, haven't you already worked out that it's hard? Uh, following Jesus is is difficult. Uh, the Christian life is a slog. Uh, it's it's not the glory 
sprint race at the at the Olympics. It's it's more like the marathon, uh, where you you come crawling in uh, to the stadium injured. Uh, it's going to take you. It's going to mean that you'll need to see that end very clearly uh, if you're going to make it to the very end. It's grueling, but the end is very very good. So here we are in our trustworthy uh, saying series, as Andy pointed out to us. There's actually five trustworthy sayings across 1, 2, Timothy and Titus. Uh, Last week we looked at the eternal value of godliness. Uh, Andy challenged us reading God's word, the value of becoming godly. Uh, And tonight we're looking in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And let me give you another one of those trustworthy sayings. But let me give you a bit of a context where we are, because we're in in this new book, 2 Timothy 2. Uh, written by the Apostle Paul, so here is the man sent by Jesus himself, uh, but he's in prison in Rome. Uh, if you flick over to chapter 4, verse 6, you'll see a description of what he's been up to. His life has been poured out like a drink offering. Imagine describing your life like that. Uh, he's given himself tirelessly to the work of the gospel. Uh, here he is, uh, the, the Apostle Don't think glory, don't think greatness, think beaten, flogged, shipwrecked, nearly died, stoned for proclaiming Jesus, for planting churches, for sharing Jesus, for taking Jesus seriously. In fact, we'll see more of this next week as we dive into the book of Acts. So be with us next week as we keep on that journey. Here's Paul, the missionary, who always thinks mission, always thinks Jesus, That's what his whole life is about, persuading people, winning people to become disciples of Jesus and always in the midst of serious opposition. That's just the life that Paul's had. And here he is to Timothy. He's in the last days of his life. He's writing to his young trainee, Timothy. And what is he going to say to him? My life's just about to come to an end. Timothy, you're in Ephesus. You're in Asia Minor, you're in it's modern-day Turkey. This is real, we're talking real places, real people, historical stuff of the New Testament. What's the message that Paul has for his trainee, Timothy? What, what, do, I, what do I need you to do? We'll have a look in verse 13 of chapter 1. A bit of a summary, I think it's a very helpful summary. Paul says, What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus... Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Or or flick down to chapter 2, verse 3, the passage that was read out for us. He says, Timothy, join with me in suffering for Jesus. Join with me in suffering for Jesus. There's the message Paul has to Timothy. I think there's the message Paul has for us. Uh, I'm suffering, says Paul. I'm in prison I continue to faithfully press on to bring the message of the gospel even as I'm in prison. The the word of God is not chained. It's still going out. Now I want you to do the same. I want you to guard the the deposit. I want you to proclaim the gospel. I want you to live it and I want you to suffer. Did you notice an expectation that Paul's crept in there for Timothy? Uh, You're going to stand firm with Jesus. You're going to pass on the message. You're going to guard it but you're also going to suffer for Jesus. Join with me in suffering for Jesus, says Paul. And there it is. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to face difficulty. You will face opposition. You will suffer. 
It's part of following Jesus. In fact, other parts of the New Testament talk about suffering actually is what produces perseverance. It actually proves the genuineness of your faith. Are you a real disciple of Jesus? In one sense, anyone can say, to yes, can say yes to Jesus, can start with Jesus, but can you continue with Jesus when it gets difficult, when you're unpopular, uh, when you're even hated, when it's just hard to run the Christian life? Will you still stand with Jesus? That was certainly the case in the first century. Tough times, persecution, life at risk kind of stuff. But I'm sure you've noticed it is getting harder, is it not, to call yourself a Christian in 2022. Uh, How comfortable are you turning up to work on day one and saying, I just want everyone to know I'm a Christian. And this is what I think. We need to do that, but I think that's become a lot, lot harder to do with a lot, lot more opposition. Let me tell you about this lady, Margaret Court, a professional tennis player who's become majorly famous, I think, twice in her life. Uh, So you mightn't, uh, she's an older lady, you mightn't know her as a sporting great. Uh, She was uh, a world number one tennis player in the 60s and the 70s. Uh, I think a lot of people would say she's Australia's best tennis player ever, Uh, won the most Grand Slams, uh, made massive advancements, achievements uh, for women in sport. Uh, She's got the Order of Australia medal. I think that says uh, enormous things, not just about on-court but off-court charity work, all that kind of stuff. Uh, The Melbourne Tennis Centre is named after her. It's the Margaret Court Arena. Uh, And... Isn't it the way in our culture, if you really want to get to the top, who are, who are the, the ones that we really um, aspire to in our country? It's sports people, isn't it? We really love people who excel in sport. Uh, who, what's the most important job in Australia? If, you're, if you don't live here, you might say it's the Prime Minister. But if you live here, it's the captain of the Australian cricket team, isn't it? Uh, that's who's the most important. Young boys don't aspire to be the Prime Minister. Young boys aspire to be the captain of the Australian cricket team. We esteem sporting ability. But here's the thing. Margaret's was incredibly successful, incredibly popular, but she's also a Christian, and she's a very serious Christian. In fact, at some point in her life, she became a pastor in, in Western Australia. And about five years ago she spoke out about same-sex marriage and what she thought uh, of, of the, the bill that was being uh, put forward, that it was not a good, a good idea. She actually dared to raise with Qantas uh, their support of same-sex marriage. She thought, you need to come to your senses, this is not right. Uh, she said, I want to boycott Qantas, but I want to have a conversation with you first before I do. Um, and it was really interesting it felt like everyone had turned against her at that point. The great hero had become the villain. Uh, twice, at least twice, uh, they've threatened to take her name off the Melbourne Tennis Centre. Uh, and it's not like I agree with everything Margaret says, but here is a woman prepared to stand with Jesus and suffer for Jesus. And what an awesome uh, example to us. Uh, someone who's prepared to face the opposition, to face the unpopularity, 
Because that's what Paul's saying here. You will bring difficulty upon yourself. And Paul's saying, just as you own Jesus and own his ways of thinking, own the suffering that comes with following Jesus. Don't duck it, own it. Paul's very clear, isn't he? In in verse 3 of chapter 2 there, join with me in suffering. Um, Now, if that's the case, what you're going to need, how are you going to get through the Christian life? You're going to need a very deep conviction. You're going to need a very deep confidence that Jesus is true, that Jesus is real, that it's profoundly worthwhile, that it's profoundly true, profoundly good, that it ends profoundly well, even if you suffer now. That is what, is going to, what you'll need to get, you, get yourself through. And I reckon that's what the trustworthy saying is about here in chapter 2. Look at verse 11 with me. This is, this is the trustworthy Paul, uh, saying, that this is the guts of this little passage. Uh, in, it's, it's a funny thing that when Paul says, here's a trustworthy saying, all of the Bible's a trustworthy saying, uh, all of the Bible's trustworthy and true, but here is... Uh, something not to do, Paul will get to that, that's the, the second part of the talk, but here is something to believe, to remember, here is something that will fuel you, energise you, before he tells you what you need to do as a Christian. So yeah, it's kind of two parts this passage, there's the anchor, uh, the trustworthy saying in verses 11 to 13, and then here's what I want you to do from verses 1 to 7. Now we're going to work backwards, starting with the anchor. So the trustworthy saying, the anchor. I don't know whether you've had much experience with boats. Um, I've been out in boats a few times. And a uh, very important part of the boat is the anchor. But it's not the sexiest part of the boat, right? No one turns up to the dock and goes, oh, can, I, can I have a look at the anchor? Yeah, this, where's the anchor? Uh, but the, the wise skipper has his uh, make sure the anchor is good. It's often hidden away, but it needs to be in excellent condition. The anchor is the thing that will, will stop the boat from drifting in a storm. Uh, it's the thing that will stop you drifting in a strong current. Now, what is the thing that will stop you drifting as a Christian? What is the, thing that will, what is the only thing that will hold you steady in the storm of life? That's what this trustworthy saying is about. Look at it with me in verse 11. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we'll also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Four parts to this trustworthy saying. Let's have a look at it uh, each part, first part, verse 11, if we died with him, we'll also live with him. Do you notice the, the repeated phrase, with him, with him. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. It's the way he's describing what it means to be a Christian. Uh, if you put your faith in Christ, if you're forgiven, if he's your saviour, you're with Christ. Uh, the New Testament also uses the phrase, in Christ. If you've trusted Jesus... If you're a Christian, you're a follower of him, you're in Christ. Really important phrases because what, it, what it's saying to us is uh, whatever happened to Jesus happened to you. Whatever uh, The way in which the Father looks upon the Son with great delight 
Now, because you are in Christ, he looks upon you with great delight. Uh, The idea here is that he died. When he died, you died. You died to your old self. Now he lives, you live with him, raised with him. It also works, doesn't it, that he suffered, then went to glory. So you will suffer, and then you will go to glory. Verse 11 is is a promise. It, It should give us confidence it should give us comfort it it is going to be okay christ died and then he was risen you died and you are risen and you will be risen on that last day you'll have a glorious new body in the new heavens that has to radically change the way you live doesn't it on the boat if that's your anchor we'll get to that but look at the second part verse 12 if you in if we endure will also reign with him. That is, if you continue to trust Jesus, right to the end, you will be there with Jesus on that last day. Uh, notice the word endure. Endurance is that, it's, it's that idea of suffering, but prolonged suffering, that you've continued to press on one step at a time, trusting Jesus every step of the way. You'll be there on that last day. You will reign with him. Every time I think of endurance, I think of a, a friend who I think foolishly entered the Ironman competition. I don't know what you think. Is it only me who thinks these, this is a ridiculous sport? You go on a 180k bike ride, I think it is. I can't remember how long the swim is, but it's ridiculously long. And then you do a marathon. Then you run 42 kilometres. Um, so there he is. He says to me, I've done the run. Oh, sorry, I've done the, the bike ride. I've done the swim. And I get to the start. Can you imagine that? Being in, in this race where you've done 180 Ks on the bike, you've done 10 Ks or whatever it is. I'm not sure how long many it is. Certain number of Ks, too many in the pool, in the ocean. And then you've got a marathon to run. That's crazy. He gets to the start of the marathon and he goes, I, I don't think I can get 100 metres, let alone 42 kilometres. I've heard people say that a half marathon is an awesome achievement. Here is a whole marathon at the end of this race, crazy. And he says to himself, I've just got to remember what I trained, um, one step ahead at a time, one at a time, one at a time. And he gets going. And he meets, reaches the 100 metre mark, the 200 metre mark, kilometre mark, two kilometre mark. He reaches the end. It's, it's the endurance, the prolonged, painful suffering, step by step, you'll get there with Jesus. Look at the third part. If we disown him, he will also disown us. That is, if we turn our back on Jesus, he will turn his back on us. It's, it's a warning. Part of the anchor is a warning that you will only reach the end with Jesus Uh, There is no other way to be saved other than in Jesus. There's no other way to walk this race, run this race. Don't abandon Jesus. Uh, He's your only hope. You'll be tempted to go your own way, to let him go. Don't do it. But notice fourthly, verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. It's not if we're faithless, it's when we're faithless. The words if and when are actually interchangeable in Greek. 
when you are f- faithless, when you lack faith, when you fail, that will happen. It's happened this week, didn't it? Jesus is there to help you, to support you, to forgive you. He will not let you go. He is faithful. Think about Jesus. He's, he's more committed than anyone that you reach the end of this race, that you're there on that last day to his glory. He's given his life so that you might be there on the last day. Keep trusting him. Don't let go. Keep coming back to Jesus. I reckon it's a great reminder to us that the way you started the Christian life is the way you continue the Christian life. You never leave Jesus behind. You started with Jesus, you walk every step with Jesus. You started by realising Jesus is the Lord, I need to repent. I need to live for him. You started with, I need to trust Jesus as my saviour for the forgiveness of my sins. And what do you do every day as a Christian? Jesus is my Lord, how do I need to live for him? Uh, Jesus is the saviour, I'm going to rest on him for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to keep coming back to him to ask him for forgiveness and keep walking as he forgives me and mercifully walks with me. The anchor, incredibly important, these truths. Uh, All kinds of things will go on in the boat. All kinds of storms, all kinds of uh, unpopularity, discomfort. But here is the anchor that will hold you. Here is the anchor that will stop you from drifting. Here is the trustworthy saying, grab hold of these truths, hold firm on these truths, remember these, live for these. It's the gospel, have you noticed? It's the gospel of Jesus. Remember the gospel, that's what, what, what Paul's saying. Look at, look at verse 8 as we work backwards. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. So you've got to wonder, how does Paul keep going on? Uh, He says in one of his epistles, he was treated appallingly for the sake of the gospel, for proclaiming Jesus. How is it that he can get up in the morning and go, I'm going to just keep going? How is it that he can say to Timothy, this is where it's all at? Well, it's remember Jesus. Remember Jesus who suffered and then was risen from the dead. Remember that you will suffer and then you will rise from the dead. Remember that he was raised from the dead. Remember that you're on the winning side, that you are the victor. That's what it means by he is descended from David. He is the king. He is the victorious one. He's saying to Timothy, remember you're on the winning side. Remember Jesus is the victor. It will all work out in the end. The resurrection is real. The resurrection changes everything. <clears throat> Excuse me, I had real trouble with my voice this morning. Let's hope we can get through. <clears throat> it's the idea that the resurrection is in profoundly life-changing. It must change the way you view the world. And, and Paul says to Timothy, this is the Jesus that you've got to remember. This is the Jesus you trusted that has to change everything. Can you imagine being there in the first century, seeing Jesus flogged, beaten to a pulp, put up on the cross, 
clearly suffering for the sins of the world, dead, put in a tomb, cold tomb, risen from the dead with a glorious new body three days later, that would change you, wouldn't it? That would profoundly change the way you saw life. Surely that would change the way you saw death. Surely that would change the way you, what you thought matters in life. Surely that would rearrange the way you thought about career, your money, your house, your retirement plans. I don't think you'd see the resurrected Jesus and say, now that Jesus is resurrected, my life is about being as comfortable as it possibly can be. My life is about being as wealthy as I can possibly be and I must get to Europe. You wouldn't conclude that, would you? Paul saw Europe, southern Europe, but it was quite an uncomfortable trip. Here's what Paul says in verse 10. It's basically, because now Jesus is resurrected, I can do anything. Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Incredibly powerful if you trust, believe that this is what happened. Jesus resurrected from the dead. Life-changing. I remember having a conversation with a missionary that was home on furlough, on on a break for six months. Uh, He'd been with his family to quite a dangerous part of the world for several years. He reflected that when he was preparing to go to this part of the world with his family, he remembered a conversation he had with someone who said to him, do you think it's sensible to go to that part of the world? Don't you think that's a bit dangerous? Even perhaps implied irresponsible. To which he said to them, what's the worst that can happen? What's the, why, why would he say, what's the, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is that he dies for Jesus and his family dies for Jesus. But there is a man who's convinced that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he died with Christ and he will live with Christ, that if he keeps enduring, he will reign with Christ. He's got a very firm anchor. I don't think he was crazy. I don't think he was unwise. I think he was very careful in the way he went about it. But it's not the worst thing that could happen. That's not what my, my life is not about being comfortable, or preserved or comfortable. It's actually about living for Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. It's, he had in his head the words of Jesus, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Jesus said, rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So I want to ask you tonight, if you believed these things more, if you're more convicted on these things, how much braver do you think you'd be for Jesus? How much more willing do you think you'd be to suffer for Jesus? Or even inconvenience yourself for Jesus? Uh, sacrifice yourself for Jesus? Give up something for Jesus? It's going to be painful, isn't it? It's going to be hard. It's going to hurt, but there is the anchor. If you died with him, you'll also live with him. If you endure, you'll also reign with him. 
It, it really hangs on that anchor, doesn't it? It really hangs on Jesus and his resurrection. And can I, can I say to you tonight, if you're not convinced that Jesus is who he says he is, if you're not convinced yet that Jesus actually died and rose again, do check that out. That is the most profound thing in all of history. In fact, if you're contemplating doing something courageous for Jesus, something life-changing for Jesus, in fact, all of us just want to live for Jesus, you need to be convinced of that truth, don't you? You actually need to be convinced that it is historically true and robust, uh, that it's absolutely uh, worth living for this Jesus. And so please, if... If you're not convinced on that, do get in touch with us. We'd love to talk it through. Uh, it's what our life course is going to be about later, later in the year in October, uh, talking through the historical claims of Jesus, but also what Jesus said and did and how to follow him. Uh, really important to get that clear as you live your life for Jesus. There's the anchor. There's the solid anchor. Now, what is there remaining here? It's what to do. Paul, uh, verses 1 to 7 uh, let me give you two things uh, before we finish. Two things Paul uh, says come out of this as we work our way backwards in this passage. First one is simply what we've talked about. Join with me in suffering. Uh, have a look there in verse 3. Be prepared to suffer. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Why don't we spend some time reflecting on that now? Three images as you think about suffering for Jesus, living for Jesus, the Christian life, uh, the soldier, here are the pictures, the athlete, Yes, she is. And the farmer, the hard-working farmer. Now, now call out some answers. What do, you, what do you think they have in common? What do they have to teach us about their way of life? What do you reckon? Committed? Absolutely committed. Can't, can't, can't argue with that. What else? A goal to strive for? Absolutely. Disciplined, yep, absolutely. Can't do, can't do those without discipline. Planning, they need to plan. Okay, yeah, I hadn't thought that. Planning. Grit, love that word. Who said that? Yes, grit. That's a great word, isn't it? I do think about the Christian life as having grit. Do you have grit? Um. Interesting is that verse 7, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight in all this. Think about these three lifestyles, these three people. Um, go away tonight and think about what is it about the hard-working farmer? What is it about the athlete who competes according to the rules? What is it about the soldier who doesn't get involved in civilian affairs? Uh, what is it that they teach us about the Christian life, living for Jesus? Here's, here's one thing, which I think combines a few things. It, it does all involve hard work, grit, Absolutely. Discipline, focus, don't get distracted. You're always on. This is, this is the task towards a great goal, isn't it? They're all working hard, being disciplined towards 
a great goal in mind. I think that's what Paul's got in mind for us. It's suffering, it's hard. But I heard someone say to me this week, it's, it's purposeful suffering. It's not random suffering. This is what is unique about the Christian life. Living for Jesus, suffering for Jesus, has a goal in mind, has an end point in mind. So I don't know what it is for you, whatever you're going through, whatever it means for you to stand with Jesus, uh, whatever it means for you to be faithfully enduring, purposely suffering, keep going with that. Keep doing that. Because as I said at the start, it doesn't take you long to work out in the Christian life that the Christian life is difficult. I mean, have you noticed um, how difficult it is even to get to church? Hopefully you don't find coming, like being here at church difficult. But have you noticed it, is actually, it actually takes effort to come to church. It actually takes discipline, takes grit, if you like. Uh, I was saying that to the parents this morning because they've got, many of them have got young kids they've got to get out the door. Uh, they wake up on a Sunday morning, they've got to get themselves organised, they've got to plan, it, it, they've got to be determined to do it or else they'll just fall over and go, it's all too hard. But I don't know what it is for you, but there's other offers, isn't there, on a Sunday night? Nothing's as good as this. Um, there's, there's all kinds of temptations along the way. It's even been made harder, hasn't it, with COVID and sicknesses. In fact, some Christians, uh, I, was, I was talking to Reach Australia about this, that they've actually pulled back from church, from gathering. Um, and what a, what a, what a, not a great thing to do, is it? Here's God's precious gift to us, to gather, to grow, to be challenged, to hear God's word, to encourage one another. Uh, don't pull back from that. Um, help one another. Some people are struggling physically, psychologically, anxiety with the whole health thing. Uh, but let's, let's get there together. Let's work together on this race and gather together. Uh, but it's hard. It will take work and discipline. Um, we, we saw it last week, didn't we? Read, reading our Bibles. How hard could it be to read your Bible every day? That takes effort. That takes discipline. That takes grit. Um, the one I'm constantly challenged is, is praying. How can I keep praying? That, that means I've got to set time aside each morning to make sure I'm going to thank God. I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to ask God for help. Uh, serving on a team in ministry. Uh, hopefully that's energizing it's good it's fun but it's it's also requires discipline keep going with that or here's another one uh, we've been talking about recently giving money to the work of making disciples Uh, we've mentioned it tonight giving to the work of next gen Uh, i was reminded it's been super encouraging i think those who've given to next gen even those who are giving regularly uh, to the making of disciples here at salt i was reminded a few weeks ago when i was giving to next gen that's hard uh, you give a chunk of money to next gen, that means I can't use that chunk of money for something else. Uh, that's a sacrifice, that's a cost. Uh, but we're talking about running this race. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the risen one. Making disciples is important. There's an eternity, there's a whole lot of things. There's the thing that tests you, doesn't it? With what's life all about? Do I believe that Jesus is, is Lord and Saviour? So there's the first one. Uh, press on with, with suffering. Be prepared to suffer. Uh, but second one is pass the message on. Uh, here we are back at the start of the passage, verse 1. Pass the message on. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust 
to reliable people who also be qualified to teach others. See, so important is, is the anchor, the message of the gospel. So important is remembering Jesus and what he's done, resurrected, that Paul says you must find people to pass this on to the next generation, to new people, to younger people. Uh, incredibly vital to the work that you find these people. And notice what kind of people they are. It's not just any people. It's reliable people. Reliable people. People who can receive this gospel message well and pass it on well. Receive it faithfully and pass it on faithfully. Uh, Not someone who will change it. Not someone who will be creative in that regard. But who can faithfully pass on. Here is how to be saved. Here is Jesus risen for your sins. Uh, It's like giving someone instructions how to get out of uh, a really bad situation. Getting out of a a building that's on fire. How important is it to tell them exactly what you need to do? Exactly the route you need to take. Don't change it. Pass it on. Let them say it back to you. Make sure they hear it. Make sure they tell others. This is the exit. Turn here. Do this. Exit here. Incredibly important. Reliable people who will be qualified to do that and teach others. And why is that so difficult? Why is that part of this picture of suffering for Jesus? Well, it's, it's actually hard to find reliable people who won't change the message. There's actually quite a bit of pressure to change the, the gospel message. Because if you, if you notice the, the gospel message, what is, it, what is the gospel message? It's we are sinners. We are proud rebels uh, that need to be humbled by Jesus, need to be saved. Uh, Jesus has done it all for us. We've done nothing. Uh, what do proud sinners want to do? They want to change that to we're not actually that proud. We're not actually that bad. Do we really need Jesus? We need people who say, no, no, you do need Jesus. We need people who will count the cost. I think uh, Paul's talking, uh, in, in one sense, all of us are in part of this work of passing on the gospel, finding reliable people. Uh, but he's also talking about particular people, particular leaders who will lead others uh, to pass on the gospel, people that will be prepared to suffer to say, it's okay if I don't go overseas on that holiday. It's okay if I don't get the career I wanted. Uh, It's okay if not everyone loves me. If you're going to be a leader, a gospel leader, you need to be particularly anchored in those truths, particularly prepared to suffer and help everyone else suffer as followers of Jesus. At this point, Paul's really um, selling the work of the gospel, isn't he? Who would want to be a gospel worker? Who would want to be a leader, someone who passes it on? You need to be prepared to suffer. Uh, in a little while, I think it's uh, middle August, uh, we'll make you aware of this. We're actually running an MTS info night. We're opening it up to other churches. Uh, so MTS, Ministry Training Strategy, it's an apprenticeship that we run here at SALT. Uh, two years of training uh, in, with the staff team. Uh, what we want to do is raise up lots of leaders at SALT. Uh, but in one sense, we want to raise up people that, uh, one part of that raising leaders is raising up people who will take the gospel to the next generation. Uh, be paid long-term, be involved in gospel ministry all their lives. Um, we'll let you know more about that, but maybe that's you 
Maybe you need to be thinking, actually, for me to follow Jesus, to suffer for Jesus, is actually consider uh, giving up my job, my career, and saying, I could do this full-time. I need to be trained in this. I need to prepare for this long-term because this is so important. Uh, There's a whole lot of other ways we pass on this gospel, isn't it? Uh, Every time we meet someone who doesn't know Jesus and we tell them about Jesus, every time we invite someone to church, I invite someone to a group to hear of Jesus. Every time we're involved in next-gen ministry, salt kids and youth, there is uh, the next generation hearing of Jesus. How awesome would it be if we're a church that not only raises leaders uh, to take the gospel as uh, out to the next generation, but the next generation of kids and youth become the next generation of you know, people that will be great Christian, uh, Christians in their workplace. Uh, leaders of ministries, uh, pastors, church planters, missionaries, uh, whatever it is that means to follow Jesus, uh, they grew up, they were discipled, um, they were taught the gospel here at Salt. Why don't we pray to that end as we follow Jesus, suffer for him uh, and pass it on to the next generation. Let me pray. Now, great Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for the reminder of your grace and mercy again, the very gospel Uh, that anchors us in Christ, Uh, that he died and we died with him, that because he is resurrected, we now live with him as our Lord, the risen one, and we will be resurrected on that last day. Father, please help us to endure that we might reign with him on that last day. Help those of us who are flagging in that, who are tired, who are weary on the race may we encourage one another father please help those amongst us who are still not sure that jesus is who he says he is the lord of all father protect us from temptation that we would never disown jesus and thank you for your faithfulness even though we are faithless we pray it in jesus name amen